Hello, everybody. Boy, I love that sound. I just love the sound of the people of God spreading the love around, saying hello to each other. Isn't it easier? It's so much easier to come into church and have a seat, you know, with the people that I know and just never really take a moment to to recognize, realize that I am surrounded by a crowd of people, the body of Christ, who are on this journey with me. So it's important that we know each other. And I'm so glad to see you doing that. I'm delighted to be with you. I hope you're having a beautiful morning there in shock. We greet you. We love you. Grateful for the time of worship that we had together and just grateful to be together this beautiful morning. At this time, I would love to invite our ushers into the room and both of our campuses. They're going to be receiving our offering. And, you know, I I just, I want you to know what a privilege it is for me. I think because maybe I'm a known face around here. Um, When I go anywhere, and I mean anywhere in the South Metro, I get stopped. I get stopped at Target. I get stopped at Hy-Vee. And I'm an extrovert, so I'm totally fine with that. I love talking to people. But every time I I talk to somebody from Hosanna, they just want to pour out to me their gratitude for this church. Their gratitude for this place. This place, God is on the move among us. Do you feel that? Do you sense it? Yes. And people's real lives are being impacted. And so I just want to encourage you. I'm saying that because we're giving offering right now. And every single dollar that you give is just multiplied in the lives of truly thousands of people in our community and all across the world. So thank you for your generosity. Please continue to give generously so that God can just do what he wants to do among us. All right. All right. Now. We are going to jump into our message for today. We are in a series in the Ten Commandments. And if you have been here this summer, you know that. But if by any chance you are new here today, or if maybe you have just been gone for a while, we want you just to be able to come right into the stream of what we have been doing together and learning together. The Ten Commandments, we, are, we have called this series The Field Guide to Real Life. And here is why, because rules, any rules in our lives, sort of our humanity and probably our sin kind of wants to rail against it. Like, don't you try to take my freedom? Don't you try to take my freedom? But what we've been talking about in this series over and over again is that the commands of God were never put in our lives to take our freedom. They were put in our lives to lead us to freedom to lead us into deeper love and God's deeper love for us. And nowhere is that more true than with the command that we are going to study together today. Are you curious what it is? Let's have the great reveal up on the screens it goes. Today we'll be studying the sixth commandment, you shall not kill. You shall not kill. Don't you feel like some ominous music should play just right about now? You shall not kill. Anytime we uh, study the word of God, the, the most important thing to begin with is just to ask the question, to whom was this originally spoken and why and why? And we remember that the 10 commandments were given to Moses who then gave them to the Israelites. Who were the Israelites? The Israelites were God's chosen people. And they had been in Egypt for hundreds of years as slaves. They have just come through the Red Sea and now they are living in freedom. Pastor Ryan has been talking about this over the last couple of weeks where he said, you know, they're, they're free now, but they don't know how to live free. They don't know how to live free. And so God gives them the 10 commandments to teach them how to live, how to live. And the first four commands have mostly to do with how to teach them how to have the right relationship with God, how to put him first, how to Sabbath, all those things, so important. 
And then the remaining six really have to do with how they would relate to one another, how they would get along together. And we began that journey last week. Ryan uh, did command number five, honor, honor thy mother and father, honor the authority that's above you. Such an important message, such an important message. If you missed it, please, by all means, go back and watch that. But the commands of God, they are put in place for the sake of the people of God. But even more than that, and I believe we're going to see this happen this morning, even more than that, the commands of God were put on the, on the Israelites because it was their job to show the world what God was like. Who is Yahweh? What is he like? What is the character of God? God says, you are my representatives in the world. And so you must show them who I am. And to show them who I am, you must obey command number six, thou shalt not kill. Why? Because the people of God, and this means something for us today, the people of God have to be showing the world that God is the giver of life, of life. God is the breath of life. Every single human life in the world was created on purpose, for a purpose, is deeply loved by God. His breath is in them. Every single life is holy. And so the people of God must be, we must be protectors of life. We must be promoters of life. That's who we are. That's who we are. In your program, I hope you've noticed it, uh, but there is always during this series a page to take you deeper. The, uh, an assignment for your week, as it were. And, and, and at the top of, of each commandment, we have a modern day version of that commandment. And, and Ryan worked hard on these. And here's why, because Martin Luther, we have a Lutheran heritage here at our church. And Martin Luther, he wrote modern day commandments. Uh, but they were written in German, and so it was kind of old English, and they needed to be updated once again. And so Ryan did that, and, and I would just commend you to use that this week in your time of devotion, to spend time with that. What does it mean to be promoters of life and protectors of life? And I would just say uh, there were so many directions that this message could have gone and, and absolutely could have gone in just the realm of what does it mean to protect physical life, to stand up for physical life? And that is an important conversation. But I'm just going to tell you that as I studied this command, when I got to what Jesus did with this command, my heart just started to pound about out of my chest. And I thought, oh, this, this is what we must study together as a church. And so I would invite you, I would invite you, to, if you have your Bible with you, to open it right now to Matthew chapter 5. If you have one of the worship center Bibles, just a reminder, by the way, every time you come through one of these doors in our worship centers, the, the Bibles are there and you can pick one up on your way in because we want to be in the word of God together. But if you've got a Bible app or it's also gonna be up on the screens, we're just gonna study this passage of scripture together. Before we jump into the particular um, passage, I wanna just set the stage for where we are in the Bible. Uh, this is Matthew chapter five through, through seven are what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And many of you are, are surely familiar with that. It is Jesus' longest recorded message. And he covers a ton of ground in this message. I mean, just many, many subjects, including he directly addresses two of the 10 commandments. The one that we are going to study together today and the one that we are going to study together next week. 
And next week's is thou shalt not commit adultery. Things are about to get spicy around here at church. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. And and I hope you know that our pastors are so committed to approaching every topic that we approach um, honorably and carefully for for the audience in the room. But we did just feel like it was worth telling you that that's what we're talking about. And so if you have young children, um, it might be a week to have them in kids programming for grades five and under, just by nature of the subject matter. It's, it's an adult subject matter and it's gonna be handled well and we're gonna be talking about real intimacy. What does it mean to have such a closeness together that we don't feel like we, are, we don't need to be tempted to stray from that? What does that look like and what does it mean? It's gonna be a beautiful message. But today, we're talking about thou shall not kill. And I just, I want to um, set the stage that Jesus is, is talking uh, to a group, of, a large group of people. We think thousands of people are probably listening to the Sermon on the Mount. And he's probably um, speaking on a hillside in Galilee. And I have sat on that hillside. And I have pictured him teaching this sermon to all these thousands of people. And many of the people in that crowd that day would have been religious people. They would have been Jewish people. And they would have known these 10 commandments inside and out. I mean, they would have been real familiar with these. And they would have, most of them, really had their lives committed to obeying the 10 commandments. And so, I, but I think it's an interesting thing that when he gets to command number six and he, and he begins to talk about, you know, you've heard it said, thou shall not kill. I just wonder, I just wonder how many of the people on that hillside that day kind of were like, oh, this is when I'm gonna check out. I'm just gonna lie back and take a little snooze right here because I've never killed anybody, so I don't think I need to worry about this one. And, and I just wonder if some of us might have had a little bit of that in our hearts today. Like, you know, this just isn't my issue. The other ones, like, get me to coveting, I know that's my issue. But, but the one about murder, it's just not really a problem I, I'm dealing with right now. But I would just say to you that I believe, I really believe that by the time Jesus was done talking about this command, there was not a single person on that hillside lying down. They were all sitting up straight and none of them felt like they were off the hook on this one. So let's take a deep dive together into what Jesus has to say about command number six. It begins in verse 21. It will be up on the screens if you wanna follow along. Otherwise, just feel free to listen and picture it in your head. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, other versions say, but I say, but I say that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Here ends the reading. Anybody feeling off the hook? Yeah, me neither. Let's take this apart. Let's take it apart. So Jesus is standing in front of all these people. You have heard it said, he says. He begins, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. I just, I wanna stop there because Jesus is about to go on and he's about to say, but I say, and, and these are the other things that are also true. But it's so important that, that we know that Jesus 
came to fulfill every single one of the laws. Just a few verses before this, in fact, it says that Jesus says, I did not come to abolish any of the laws. I came to fulfill all of them. That means that he lived them all. He lived them all to the very T of them. And we know this about this command. We know this about Jesus if we just look at his life. If we just look at his life. Jesus, Jesus never was violent. He never threatened the life of another person. Not ever. Not ever. In fact, we see Jesus. We see Jesus always promoting life. I think about this story, the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. And here she is. She's in front of this whole crowd and they're holding stones and they by law can stone her. They can stone her to death because of her, uh, of this offense of committing adultery. By law at that time, they could stone her to death. And Jesus happens upon this scene and he stands in front of this woman and he says, no, no, you must not kill this person. You must not kill this woman. Put your stones down. Put your stones down. This, this woman has God in her, the breath of God in her. He, he stands up for life. He promotes life. We see Jesus raising life from the dead, from the dead. We see Jesus, um, he had all the powers, all the authorities, all the angels he could have called upon when his life was threatened. And he could have said, come and just take care of this, take care of them. And he never did. He never did. Jesus never threatened the life of anybody. So he fulfilled this command. He fulfilled this command, but he takes it further. Let's continue with what he has to say. So you've heard it said, do not murder, do not kill the physical life of somebody else. But I say... That anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Has anybody in the room ever been angry? Yeah, me neither. So I think we'll just move on. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, wouldn't it be nice if we had never been angry? He says, don't get angry. He says, it's the same thing. It's breaking the same command, anger. You know, anger, anger is tricky, isn't it? Because... Anger is a God-given emotion. It's a God-given emotion. Anger should rise up in us. It should rise up in us when things are not right, when things are not as they should be. There is such a thing as righteous anger. Jesus himself got angry. He got angry. We see him get angry. He got angry on behalf of others. He got angry when people were not honoring God and representing him well. That's why he got angry. He did not get angry on behalf of himself. How about us? How about the people on that hillside that day? I don't know, what would you venture to guess? 99 out of 100 times, are we angry on behalf of ourselves? I'll just tell you, I am. I get angry uh, when I'm offended. I get angry when my expectations aren't met. I get angry when I feel slighted. I get angry when I'm not invited. I, I get angry 99% of the time because of something that is going on inside of me. You know, as as parents, I think one of our our greatest tasks as parents um, is to help our children to identify with other emotions besides anger. Ryan and I, we talk about our small group pretty often. We're in this small group of families that are exclusively raising boys because we've got three boys and we just need help. It just comes down to that. We need help from other people who are also just raising boys because it's a very unique journey. And I'll tell you more than any, the, the message, we read many books together and over and over again in those books, the message is so clear. One of the things you've got to do as parents, especially with boys, 
is to help them to identify beyond anger. They have to be able to, to have a deeper understanding of what's going on inside of them internally. Are, are you actually, you know, are you frustrated? It's okay to be frustrated. Are your feelings hurt? Are you confused? Are you hungry? I mean, how often just a couple chicken nuggets fixes the anger problem, right? <laughs> are you afraid? You know, I'm growing in this as a mom. I am not there yet. But I'm just, I'm, I'm trying for my radar to get better at, at noticing when my children behave like they're angry, but what they actually are is anxious. They're anxious about something. And if you can get to the heart of that, you know, and ideally we grow out of this, right? We grow out of it. We turn into grownups who are just very aware of what's happening to us emotionally. We don't, you know, fly off the handle. But of course that isn't true. Of course that isn't true. Many of us um, are really still dealing with anger in our lives, Everybody deals with it some, but some of us are dealing with it a whole lot more. You might even be able to self-diagnose and say, I do, I have an anger problem. I have an anger problem. And I've been thinking about you all week and I, and I just, I want you to hear Jesus come to you. You're sitting on the hillside and he says to you, don't kill with a knife, but also don't kill with your anger. And he doesn't come and say that to you in any way, shape or form to condemn you. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, not to condemn you or shame you, but just to invite you, to invite you to a better way, a better way. He says, get to the heart of what makes you angry because that anger is killing you and it's killing the people around you. And maybe that's the word for you on the hillside today. But I'll tell you what, there are still people sitting on that hillside and sitting in this room today who might be like, well, still, this message doesn't apply to me. I mean, I haven't killed anybody and I don't have an anger problem. So let's see if there's just a little bit more. Picking it up still, the, the latter part of verse 22, and this will be up on the screens because the, the words here are really important. He says, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, I'm not gonna go into that whole hell part um, because, I, you know, Jesus very well, I, I think what we need to hear right there is that Jesus is serious about this. He's serious about this. It, it, the, the hell part may have been hyperbole, but mostly to say, listen to me, people. You think you're off the hook on this one, but I'm telling you, these words that you use over people, don't use them anymore. Don't use them anymore. And when I got to this part of my study, I told you that when I just started listening to Jesus and what he had to say, my heart started to pound. When I got to this part and began to understand what he was doing here, it took my breath away. It took my breath away and it just humbled me. It humbled me because we have to keep in mind here. We are still talking about the same command. Thou shall not kill. Do not kill a person's body. Do not kill with your anger and do not kill with your words. With your words, you are diminishing the sanctity of life of the people around you. I have, I've read this passage, I don't know, dozens of times. How many times have you read it? Like if you've been in church a long time, you've maybe read it a lot. And we've, we've just kind of gone over that word raka. I'm like, I don't even know what raka means, just whatever. I've never leaned into it. I just haven't before. Until this message and I had to study for it. And when I learned what raka meant, I thought, oh my gosh, Jesus is doing something brilliant right here. That word raka, he says, don't call anybody that name. Don't you call anybody that name. The word raka means empty one, empty one. 
It literally can be translated empty-headed. We might just call it stupid, idiot. In the next line, he says, don't call anybody a fool. What is Jesus doing here? What is he doing here? He is saying, you know, you might not pick up a sword and you might not have an anger problem, but how many times, come on, somebody get honest. How many times are you just with your words or even just in your spirit, diminishing the people around you? You are rockaing them. See what I did there? I turned it into a verb. You are rockaing them. And I tell you what, if you have been on the other side of rockaing, if you are a person who has been rockaed, you know it. You definitely know it. You definitely know it. I, um, every time I pre- I'm preparing to speak, and this happens to Ryan, it happens to all the teachers. Whenever we're preparing to speak, it's like he will just send somebody into our life to tell us their story so that we just will know that we know that this is an important topic. And this happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I'm in the middle of studying this and I'm just having this benign conversation with a friend of mine. And we were talking about what we're gonna be doing over the next couple of weekends. And I said, well, you know, our son's got a baseball tournament. So Ryan will be with them that last weekend in July, but I'm gonna be teaching at our church that weekend. And, and she said, oh, what are you gonna be teaching on? I said, well, we're in this series, the 10 commandments and it's, it's number six. And so I'm teaching on thou shall not kill. She said, oh, no kidding. Well, what are you gonna do with that? And I said, well, you know, I, there's so many directions we could take it, but I think I'm gonna take it the, the, the direction that Jesus did. And I basically just kind of unfolded for everything that we've talked about, a briefer version. Um, but I said, you know, and he uses this word raka. And, and it's like he just drilling home that, that so many of us, we may not kill with our hands, but we kill with our words and we kill the spirits of the people around us by just diminishing their humanity. And for some of us, it's blatant. And for some of us, it's subtle, but we do it. We raka people. And, I, and then I look over at her and she's nodding her head. She said, my mom does that. I said, what? We've been friends for a long, like you've never told me that before. She said, oh yeah, my whole life. Oh, my whole life. My whole life. When I was little, I mean, just anything I did, you know, I could get praise for it, but then my mom just made sure that she just kept me down, kept me down. Just would then say something that would just diminish me. She still does it. She says, she still comes over to my house and here I am, I'm, I'm a mom, I have these adorable kids and they're all doing well and I am holding a job and my husband is awesome and still my mom will walk into our life and just, just rocka, just rocka me. I don't know why she does it. And I was just blown away and I said to her, are you serious? Are you serious? Because you are a person who I would say never does that. You never do that. Like if I'm thinking about somebody in my life who just pours life into people, it's you. It's you, you do that in my life, you just pour into my life and I see you doing it with your kids, you just pour um, just blessing and goodness and life into them. And she said, you know, well, yeah, you know, maybe I'm just in reaction to what I grew up under. I just don't wanna ever do that to somebody. Good for her, you know, good for her for breaking it, right? But if you are a person in the room like my friend who has been on the other side of Raqqa and you know it, and it's just so painful. And I've just been thinking about you. I've been thinking about you all week and I've been praying for you and I've been thinking about what you need and what you need. If you are a person who has lived under, under Raqqa and maybe then you have taken on that voice and you even are somebody who would Raqqa yourself, just curse yourself. What you need, when you, your medicine is to come to church It is to worship. It is to hear the word of God proclaimed. It is to be in your Bible. It is to do every single thing you can every single day that the voice of God would be louder in your life than any raka in your life. Hallelujah. That has to happen. Yes. 
Yes, and I know that it is an uphill battle. It is a daily battle. But the Lord wants to say to you, your life is on purpose. It's for a purpose. It's beautiful. His breath is in you. His breath is in you. He would stand in front of all the people who rock at you, just like he did that woman caught in adultery, and he would say, don't you throw stones at her. Don't you throw stones at him. This is my beloved child. My breath is in him. My breath is in her. If you've been raka you know it. But if you are, I'm going to use this term, a raka you may or may not be aware of it. raka um, just are always putting themselves above other people. Um, just, you, it might seem to you, you might actually believe about yourself that you're, you're just actually wiser than most other people, perhaps more discerning, certainly smarter. Um, and if it sounds like I know what I'm talking about with raka I do. And I really felt like this weekend, one of the things that I was supposed to do is just stand before you all and say, I am a recovering raka I am, just straight up, I am, I am. And let me tell you what it sounds like. I'm, I'm a raka because I can be judgmental. I can be judgmental, especially inside of conflict. I can be real judgmental. I can get up on my throne and I can think like, I am the smarter one in this situation. I have this more figured out than you do. You're misbehaving. I, on the other hand, kind of have myself together. Does does this sound like awfully familiar to anybody in the room? It's so ugly. It's so ugly for the people around me. Oh, I'm gonna confess to you. I have an eye-rolling problem. Okay? uh, When I was a teenager, my mom had to say to me, you know, they could get stuck like that. Because I did it all the time. I did it all the time. And, and eye rolling is really just a silent raka. Stupid. Idiot. Right? Right? But I am very carefully choosing my words that I, I am standing before you today as a recovering rockaist. Jesus Christ has been so merciful to me. He has been so merciful to me. He has helped me with this so much. The more that I have pressed into my relationship with him, the more that I have come to see this about myself and the more that I have pressed into the mercy of Jesus. This is what the cross is all about. It's what the cross is all about. The more that I can see that Jesus died for me because I needed it, I really needed it, the more I can extend that mercy to the people that are around me. And I pray that if you were to talk to me today, you would not feel like you were in the presence of a rockaist. I hope that for the people here and, and people that I barely know, I really hope it for the people who are dear to me, the people who, who, the one I'm married to, my kids, my family. I hope that they don't feel like they're spending time with somebody who diminishes their life, but somebody who promotes their life because that's my job in Jesus Christ. That is my job. That is my job. That's the job of the people of God. Let's finish what Jesus has to say. I think it's so interesting. Remember, we are still right inside this passage where he's addressing the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, but all of a sudden it takes a turn into worship. And he says this, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go 
and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now again, I've read that many times, but I've never tied it to the command, thou shall not kill. And they are connected. And, and I just, I think that what Jesus is doing here, I think what he's doing here is that he is in a way gently and beautifully and convicting, not condemning, but coming to the people of God who are sitting on this hillside, these, these good Jewish people, these good religious people. And he's saying, you know what? It's a great thing that you go to worship, that you go to synagogue, that you go to worship and you pour out your love to God. But you know what? If it's not directly translating into causing you to love the people around you more, it's a little bit empty. There's a little bit of hypocrisy in it. And I love you enough to tell you that. That's a convicting thought for me. I hear that from Jesus. I'm, 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 I'm one of the worship leaders here. It's one of the great privileges of my life at our Shakopee campus and here I get to go back and forth and I get to just sing with the people of God. And one of the songs that we've been singing together over the last year or two is this song, Good Father. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. And that is so important to remember. I'm loved by you. And if you've been on the other end of rocking, that's just, just put a period at the end of that thing. You're a good father and I'm loved by you. That's what you've got to know. We sing about you're perfect in all your ways. You're perfect in all your ways. And that's what the Ten Commandments are all about. They're, they're just his perfect way to freedom. But then we get to this part where we sing, you call me deeper still. Yes, you call me deeper still. And, and I feel like we sing it from our hearts and that that is such a good thing. But I th- and I think that Jesus would come to us and he would say, yes, pray that prayer. That God would call you deeper into his love but also that he would call you deeper into your love for your fellow man, for the people that are around you, that to the depths that you are called into God's love, you will love your spouse. You will love your kids. You will love your in-laws. I know it's hard. Do it anyway. You will love your neighbors. You will love those people that feel foreign and different to you and that you kind of want to rock a, but God will grow you deeper. He will grow you deeper and he will show you that to love him is to love the people that he loves and that to love him is to show the world that he loves everybody. Everybody, that's our job. A really interesting thing happens right here in this passage that we've we've been in together today. For the whole first part of it, when he's talking about thou shall not murder, you should not murder. That all those yous are plural. They're like, you all, you all should not murder. You all should not be angry. You all should not use the words raka and you fool. But when he gets to this part, this part about, and when you come to worship, it changes to the singular you. You, when you come to worship. And so I thought, you know, we're already in worship, aren't we? We are gonna sing one more song together before we leave today. But before we do that, I just want to invite every person at both of our campuses to just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. Because I believe that that Jesus wants to talk to you, wants to talk to me. Remember, Jesus always comes in love. It's always in love. It's never with condemnation you're sitting on the hillside and he's talking to you and he's saying, don't kill. Don't kill with your anger. And this, this attitude that you have over other people, when you rock them, that's not me. 
That's not me. And I want you to represent me in this world. I want you to love people. So what I, what I want us to do, you know, the Lord is kind in giving us an imagination. We have this, this holy imagination wherein he can, he can work, he can show us things. And, and I would just ask that the spirit of God in every person's mind right now would just bring to heart, bring to mind a person, maybe a group of people that we have rock-eyed, that we have spoken curses and you fool and we've rolled our eyes instead of lifting this person up, instead of speaking life over this person and into this person. And as God puts that person before you, is the first step, really important step, just to picture that person and, and say to them in your heart, I am sorry. I am so sorry for doing that to you. I'm so sorry for stealing life from you. Pray in this moment that the Lord would just reveal to you his depth of love for the person that's before your eyes, the group of people that's before your eyes. He loves those people. He made those people. He died for those people. Others of you in the room, your message today has really been about just, you've been rock-eyed. Your, your life has been diminished. And, and as we just prepare to sing a final song together, I just want you to, to know, and as you sing, to be filled with the spirit of God that he adores you. Oh, he just couldn't love you any more than he does. And may his voice be so much louder, so much louder than any of the rakas in your life. And now receive this blessing before you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen, and we will see you next week.